OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to Impact Investing, brought to you by supportersfund.com. From the student visa capital of the world, Toronto, Canada, I'm your host, Jeffrey J.P. Potvin, and let's please welcome from the sauna capital of the world, Cletus Water, and the with the most heavy metal bands, Helsinki, Finland, we have Costa and Peter, who are building the very first underground rail connecting Helsinki and Tallinn in Estonia. Welcome, Costa and Peter. It's a real pleasure having you back on the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Great to be back. Well, I love it. Well, to, to kick things off, and I know this is going to be a little bit of a different segment because we're doing a follow-up to a previous um, interview that we did. So we're doing a follow-up to this massive project, this $15 billion project that you guys are working on. But because we want to do jump back into how this all started and where this all came from, maybe we'll, we'll jump back into a little bit of, Costa, maybe you can share a little bit, just super high level, again, a bit about yourself and background, and then Peter. And then we'll jump into uh, uh, how those projects coming along. All right. So um, my name is Gustav Altonen, uh, <clears throat> entrepreneur, business angel um, with a tech background uh, uh, from companies like HP, Microsoft uh, a long time ago. Uh, investing my time and money into early stage companies. Uh, and uh, with Peter, we, uh, we run a joint investment company that has uh, about, I think, 60 startups in the portfolio at the moment. And uh, then, of course, uh, we're running this uh, uh, Helsinki Tallinn uh, uh, undersea railway tunnel project. That's uh, that's one of the uh, topics on the agenda today. Over to you, Peter. I love it. And Peter, how about yourself? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm uh, entrepreneur here in the finest Bay Area uh, and uh, Finland, uh, more specifically. And yeah, uh, basically, been focusing on uh, increasing the uh, talent density here in our part of the world. So. Uh, in many areas, uh, we're already kind of like leading the way. Uh, so I uh, liked your uh, point about Toronto being the kind of like student visa capital of the world. So uh, we're going to take you on uh, for that. Uh, so we're actually attracting a lot of uh, uh, talent, a lot of students uh, to Finland and to Estonia and to Sweden right now. So the whole finest Bay Area. And uh, uh, that uh, actually is also one of the reasons why we're doing uh, the tunnel project. So that's uh, one way of creating gravity. When you invest 15 billion uh, into infrastructure, and in this case, into a tunnel, it creates a lot, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, this kind of like uh, ripple uh, effects. And uh, and that is uh, kind of like one of the main, main reasons. But then uh, if you look at, you know, our part of the world, and I always talk about the finest Bay Area, we have the highest uh, number of... Uh, Startups per capita, we have the highest number of unicorns per capita, and maybe most importantly, we have the highest amount of venture capital invested into local startups per capita. Uh, so uh, if you look at like OECD numbers, uh, uh, Estonia was number one, Finland number two, Lithuania number three, Sweden number uh, four, and uh, the US number five when you look at venture capital per capita. We always have to add the per capita because we're tiny little countries uh, up here in north. Uh, so, uh, you know... Uh, we can't compete in absolute numbers, but we can do a pretty good job, uh, you know, when you look at uh, like the per capita numbers. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the tunnel project is kind of like, uh, I don't know if you can call it the tip of the iceberg in this case, because it is kind of like the iceberg. 
uh, or like below water, but uh, so kind of like, uh, but yeah, if you, it's kind of like the upside down, like tip of the iceberg, because the tunnel is just like a tiny little detail in this bigger scheme of things. And that is all about increasing the talent density and uh, extending uh, the lead that we currently have over the rest of the world when it comes to, uh, you know, the startup ecosystem. And of course, to power that, uh, the fuel, uh, you know, uh, is really uh, people, uh, namely young people. And that is a big, big focus of ours. And uh, we're going to take on Toronto and the rest of the world when you look at you know, like number of student visas. And maybe we don't even have to put the per capita thing there. We'll beat you in absolute numbers as well. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I know that uh, right now we're sitting at a million students, I believe, a year that have been, uh, it's increased some stagnant amounts. So I think that if uh, more countries start to look at this. But they're not all in Toronto. That's like Canada. No, correct. They're, they're spread across Canada, right? So that's, I believe that's the full immigration number. And right now there's 500,000 students coming in a year. So, and what they say is that within three years, all of those people are moving to Toronto. So I think there's uh, some incredible uh, shift in migration across Canada. Yeah, I think that you have a total immigration that, actually at 500,000, so they're not all students. But anyway, we will have, uh, uh, you know, not uh, maybe 500,000 students a year, but uh, we'll get to a high number anyway. No, that's great. I think they're probably trying to rope ours in because, again, in the last two years, because of the high numbers of immigration coming in, students and and everyone, that um, it's putting a buckle on the system. So regardless... Uh, there's lots happening here, which is great, but I love that there's even more happening where you guys are at. So maybe we'll jump right into to kind of uh, diving into the project. Uh, and maybe Costa, you can give kind of a quick overview of today versus uh, a year ago on where the project sits, but maybe a little quick background on the project, um, you know, where it came about, why you guys decided this. I know we've talked in the past that you guys had found documentation that there was interest from back in 1861. Um, and you guys know that this was obviously something that was really interested to all of the people in Helsinki and, and, and the commuting and, and trying to make this um, more relevant, especially if you look at around the world, they're doing this in a lot of countries where they're trying to figure out how to make and bridge between two separate countries and move the uh, move people in and out from a commerce perspective. So this all came about, you guys are the ones driving it. So maybe a, a quick background on that, and then we can dive into some questions. Yeah, so so um, uh, glad you reminded me of the history of the project. So it's not something that we invented. It's uh, uh, something we decided to do, and uh, uh, there's a big difference there. Uh, the, the idea has been around for a long time. Helsinki and Tallinn are not far away. The distance uh, is about 75 kilometers. So it's uh, a pretty short distance. I think it's probably one of the shortest in the world for two capital cities to be apart. And uh, uh, then uh, another argument in, in favor of uh, kind of building a tunnel is, is that uh, the, the ground is very solid uh, granite. So, so very good geology uh, on the Baltic Sea. Uh, to do tunnels. And um, it's, um, that's at least what our geologists are saying that uh, it's not complicated uh, to do it, so we uh, we just take some boring machines and bore it, and and uh, and that's it. Uh, it's um, of course uh, um, an engineering challenge, but uh, uh, we're working with the best of the bunch and, and uh, making that happen. Uh, One hundred and three kilometers long tunnel. 
uh, with four stations uh, connecting Helsinki Airport uh, with the Tallinn Airport and, and um, one station uh, on the Finnish mainland and then uh, one artificial island uh, that will be built because of technical reasons in the first place. Uh, we need em- emergency exits, uh, ventilation, and, and uh, smoke exhaustion type of things. Uh, but also when you bore uh, a very, very long tunnel, there's a lot of rock that comes uh, from the boring. So we need to put it somewhere. And it's uh, it's not environmentally friendly to actually transport that rock long distances. So we, we build basically an island. And, and when you build an island, then you need to think about kind of what you do with the island. So uh, we have come up with this... Uh, uh, model that uh, we, we will do like a, a triple E campus themed island. So education, entrepreneurship and entertainment. And uh, this is something that uh, uh, is, is uh, it's actually kind of reflecting what you guys just uh, talked about, uh, about the students quite nicely, because um, uh, one of the reasons or, or basically the primary reason why we are doing the tunnel is, is that we want to create gravity. Uh, we want to create a reason for uh, people to come to uh, to the finest Bay Area, uh, Finland, Estonia, Sweden, our part of the world, our region. And um, uh, we believe that uh, bringing a lot of students, uh, educational institutions, universities, uh, schools together, uh, it uh, generates a, a good sounding board uh, and good fertile ground to, to create new companies and new type of innovation. And uh, that's basically what we're doing. It, it kind of uh, is a continuum of what Peter was just saying about uh, uh, this, uh, uh, these numbers that uh, we are leading uh, startup ecosystem and uh, area that attracts a lot of uh, capital already. So um, our way of, of kind of making sure that we will stay that way and uh, we uh, provide good feeding ground for the future as well. I love it. Now, with this setup that you're currently working through, are there other ways to get between the two cities and two capitals as well? Like, are there ferries that go across already? Are there routes that drive around? And basically, you've got metrics to say that, yeah, it's a three-hour drive. It's really slow with border crossing, etc. The ferry takes this long. It's not really valuable. Uh, people are flying. So that's creating a lot of other uh, chaotic setups. So are there other things that kind of help bring the value back to why this tunnel would be such a great innovative way to move uh, traffic between the two uh, capitals? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, today, uh, people are using the ferries. Uh, There's a lot of ferries going between the cities and uh, there's uh, well over 10 million. I think it's 11 million passengers going across the bay every year. And uh, Helsinki, believe it or not, is the busiest passenger port in the world. So let me repeat, busiest passenger port in the world. We surpassed Dover uh, in the UK in 2017, and uh, uh, we have been kind of going our own path since then. Uh, biggest uh, volume is, is between the Helsinki and the Stockholm, big one as well. And we have a lot of uh, cruise liners coming over uh, every year. So uh, uh, there, there is a big need, uh, a big demand for this type of uh, uh, infrastructure to be built. and. Uh, uh, now, I mentioned only the passenger traffic, but uh, there's also the cargo. So uh, um, uh, there's uh, something called the Rail Baltic uh, that is being built today uh, already uh, through the Baltic states, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, to Poland, and then onwards to, to uh, Germany, Central Europe. 
and uh, our plan is to uh, connect uh, the tunnel to, to Rail Baltic and, and uh, it will be creating a, a new trade route basically for the logistics. That's amazing. Um, it, this is very similar to what's going on in Asia where they also have a rail system that connects a lot of uh, the countries together uh, for the same to distribute uh, products and serve uh, mostly obviously products, um, but same kind of concept. So I love the fact that you guys are figuring out a way to tie into that rail system so that you can show that commerce can be moving um, quite readily across all of these countries. Um, Peter, maybe you can describe a bit more about uh, the depth that this is going to be um, built, um, the timing, and have, I guess the biggest question before we get going, I want to know is, have you guys started? Have you guys started digging yet? So it's pretty exciting. But yeah, maybe you could share a bit more about the metrics around that. Yeah, but I, I think that uh, maybe uh, also what, what Gustav was saying there, uh, I mean, we have the ferries today and, and uh uh, that traffic has been growing since the early 90s. Uh, so basically, you can take like a ruler and just like draw a straight line. And it's been like, a, you know, a steady growth uh, with the exception, of course, of the pandemic when like everything kind of stopped. But uh, that that's uh, uh, kind of like an important kind of like starting point. So the demand is there. And uh, we also know uh, we have benchmarked some other projects like, uh, you know, the Oresund uh, bridge uh, between uh, uh, Malmö and Copenhagen. And uh, that is... Uh, uh, or that connection there, uh, like uh, uh, has been for uh, quite a few years now, and and uh, they built a bridge, and and actually, uh, when that bridge was completed, uh, we had uh, tens of thousands of people from Denmark that moved to the Swedish side because of a uh, uh, slightly lower cost of uh, of living there, and then uh, everybody on the Swedish side got a job in Copenhagen. So that's pretty much like what happened. And uh, when you look at uh, the uh, Helsinki Tallinn situation, we have a much higher uh, difference in in kind of like standard living between Helsinki and Tallinn much higher difference than between you know like uh, Sweden and Denmark. Uh, so uh, uh, and at the, that said, we know that we have fifty thousand Estonians living in Finland, uh, twenty thousand are commuting. Uh, so just that traffic that will switch over to the tunnel and actually will grow the traffic significantly. You can only use that to kind of like justify the business case. And it's important to also, of course, always mention that. When people ask, like, okay, why are you building this? We are building it because it's going to be a good and a big business. Uh, but yeah, if we if you look at uh, then uh, you know like uh, construction and like all of that, uh, it's actually going to take uh, about five years to complete the whole thing. Uh, so uh, right now we've been uh, stuck with a bunch of permits and uh, uh, yeah, various like uh, let's say bureaucracy related. Uh, issues for the last few years, but now things are are moving uh, forward with a good clip uh, again. So uh, yeah, uh, construction uh, will involve uh, 16 tunnel boring machines uh, boring in uh, eight directions, uh, two tunnels. Uh, uh, so uh, that is also why the physical construction takes uh, uh, you know like around two years or something like that, and we're like done uh, with the physical like uh, boring of the tunnel and. Uh, yeah, I mean, then uh, then we need to, of course, complete the infrastructure with uh, the stations and the rails and uh, like uh, whatnot. But overall, it's it's a very rapid, rapid like uh, project. And as I said, uh, from a business case uh, perspective, we are uh, very, very confident in this being uh, a very, very good business. And also tunnels are not built for, you know, like a year or two, but uh, this particular tunnel will actually last like forever. Or that's at least what our uh, geologist uh, friends have told us that uh, you know it, it's uh, uh, 
going to survive the next ice age as well. It's incredible. Massive feat. Uh, and I guess things are taking a bit longer, obviously, from a bureaucracy standpoint, which makes sense that everybody wants to make sure the T's and the I's and all these things are crossed and dotted. Now, when you're putting these contracts together, how do you determine when that potential start date is? Because everybody kind of has to figure out if I'm going to start today versus in two years from now um, and making sure that you can get the, the burrowing equipment. So are you guys having deep talks with uh, Elon Musk and saying, hey, we're going to start this. We need you to allocate it at some time within the next 18 months. Like, how do you guys structure these contracts? And is Elon Musk part of them using the burrowing uh, technology is that part of it i, had uh, I mean uh, let's say uh not so much as some of us have uh, like our own reality and and uh all of that so so yeah i mean we're we're uh there are uh, many suppliers of uh, tunnel boring machines and and uh uh what we are building is is uh actually pretty big scale like uh tunnels uh, so uh uh you know di- diameter of the uh, tunnels much uh bigger than what kind of like the boring companies is building currently uh, but yeah, I mean that that's that's not like a huge problem to get the equipment. Uh, you have basically uh, three different uh, players if you look at or or let's say sources. So uh, obviously China that owns uh, most of these companies. Uh, then you have uh, Japan, you have Herenknecht uh, in Germany. Uh, so those are are the kind of three main uh, sources of equipment when it comes to boring. And uh, yeah, we've been talking to all of those guys, and uh, yeah, let's say that we know uh what we need to do to get uh the equipment so that that's uh kind of like a pretty good shape but uh, i think that uh, the main uh question mark is really when can we start and we don't really have a uh like fantastic great answer right now uh a lot of it depends on on uh the authorities uh both both finland and uh estonia and uh, their collaboration so uh, we actually have uh uh, constant dialogue uh, with everybody, uh, and uh, I think that uh, yeah, let's say within the next two years we'll be able to kind of like start. So that that's kind of like a pretty safe bet, ideally like within one year. But uh, again, don't know is is kind of like the best answer we can can give on that point right now. But once we get started, then yeah, then it's a pretty uh, like uh, straightforward process to actually like build. No, that's that's pretty cool. So you're saying that there's a potential within the next year or two that you're going to kick off and, and start to do this. What are some of the preliminary works that you're doing right now to keep the ball rolling um, outside of obviously the governance side and, and getting approvals of those things? Uh, what are some of the other things that are kind of major pieces of this puzzle that you kind of have to make sure that you're keeping your eye on? Yeah, so so maybe I, I take this one. So it, it's it's uh, it's also boring work, but in a different way. So uh, we're talking a lot to politicians, to authorities in both countries. Uh, we're uh, um, working on the environmental impact assessment where we can. Uh, we're working on zoning. Uh, we're doing a lot of design. So just like last week, I was talking to our engineering team about the. Uh, uh, track geometry of, uh, of the tunnel, so uh, w- what kind of uh, curves and, and uh, ups and downs there will be and, 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 and so on. So a lot of like this uh, really practical work that it, it's not really uh, uh, media sexy in any way. We don't really share about it in, in social media, uh, but uh, th- there's a lot of time and effort that actually is, is uh, going into this type of uh, stuff at the moment. 
and um, of, all of this will kind of lead uh, lead to a point where uh, we can uh, submit uh, a construction uh, application to the governments and, and then at some point start start the war. And we're kind of targeting that uh, we would be ready uh, with a functioning tunnel at the end of this decade, which is the next one. But uh, let, let's see how we can make that work. It's still uh, realistic, uh, but uh, requires, of course, a lot of uh, good collaboration on both sides of the day. Well, that's great that it's still realistic so that you're putting this effort into something that will become fruitful and valuable for, for both countries, which is uh, pretty awesome. Um, you mentioned the environmental assessment. Is there a group that you're working with that's kind of given you, you know, here's the 50 things that you have to do in order to have this type of project move through the system? Um, or is this kind of a hit and miss? You're, you're working and learning as you go on all of these different requirements that you feel you're going to need. Um, in order to get this next approval or to this next stage, that, that's a fantastic question, uh, and and uh, it's 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 the type of question that we get often asked, but not in in, in that way, but uh, kind of a different way. So uh, it's good to remind that uh, uh, the environmental impact assessment is a process. So it's it's not an approval, uh, a list of things that we need to hit, uh, and and then get the get a okay from the government but it's a process of things that we need to do so uh, in in finland uh, just submitting our program uh, so basically the the plan how we do the actual eia was more than 200 pages uh, in estonia so far we've submitted 1500 pages to the government to uh, answer formally their questions about uh, different things uh, related to the eia and uh, uh, there is a governing body, uh, so the in environmental ministry in Finland and uh, in Estonia, it's the climate ministry, uh, have formed uh, uh, something called the ad hoc working group. Very unfortunate name. Uh, sounds like something really ad hoc, but uh, it, it's a very formal function with ministry representatives uh, from both countries, from different ministries, uh, different types of authorities, maybe 15, 20 people always in the meetings. And uh, they have uh, formally had meetings, uh, I think, 15, 20 times at least uh, during the, the project we have been uh, going forward. And um, that, that's the governing body. Uh, so one of the questions we often uh, actually get uh, is that uh, uh, kind of what is the government involvement? So that's it. Uh, <laughs> we we, we uh, present our plans, we, we uh, uh, test ideas, and, and of course, they uh, present kind of their views. And uh, uh, we just kind of uh, align uh, everything and, and uh, follow the process. And are when these documents are being built and they're being presented, obviously a 1,500-page document, that's quite a lot of information and probably takes some time to go through it and assess it on their end. Are they also hiring outside consultants to kind of go through and help them with the assessment and come back with the right questions and and have them better understand and go and talk to other countries that have done something similar so they can grasp that information so that this project will run smoother for all parties and have the proper governance and security measures put in to ensure that it operates uh, again smoothly and makes it to success? Uh, it, it's actually a much more collaborative approach. So so uh, uh, let me tell you the example how, how everything started in Finland. So we had like a kickoff meeting for the EIA uh, on the Finnish side, and uh, we set the Finnish national record for participants. So we had, I think, 75 
uh, different authorities, so so uh, cities, uh, like uh, fire fire department, Ministry of Defense, uh, you know, you, you name it, they were there. So Incredible. all sorts of different functions, and and, and we all come together. Uh, we uh, we present the plans. They have uh, a possibility to comment that and and say kind of what they uh, they would like to see. What, what is good, what is bad, uh, from environmental perspective, from fire safety, from, you know, anything and everything. And uh, then uh, uh, kind of our role is to, to make sure that um, we take into account uh, all of these uh, different angles and uh, uh, provide documentation that uh, that's kind of then going through the final critique and, and then uh, off we go. And all of this work uh, is to, to kind of build the foundation uh, to, to have a very good construction application at some point. Oh, that's fantastic. So while you're going through this on the auxiliary side, the outfacing side of the of the business, are you able to start putting up the buildings, let's say in Tallinn and in Helsinki on each side of the shore where this is going to run into so you can start to create these centers and start to drive commerce in these to help pay for things as you go? Like, are there ways that you're trying to speed up other areas that can be sped up so that they can start generating eyeballs, revenue, dollars, et cetera, so that when you do start to burrow, you're further along in that process? Or is the burrowing the first thing that happens and nothing else can really happen until the burrowing is done? Uh, it, it's actually a pretty good situation because, uh, again, we're building a tunnel underground and like under the sea and everything. Uh, so uh, three or the four uh, station areas, uh, they are already in existence and there's like construction happening uh, kind of like with or without us. So that is already and that's also how we pick from other station areas that. Uh, a lot of people work, a lot of people live in those areas, and they are growing areas that uh, are uh, in kind of like dire need of like connectivity. If you look at like the this Otaniemi, Keilaniemi area in Finland, as one example, uh, that is uh, an area in Finland where we have uh, all the university, uh, you have a massive startup ecosystem. Uh, it's also home of uh, uh, many, many of the biggest corporations uh, in, in uh, Finland. Uh, so uh, uh, there is uh, massive workforce and more and more uh, people living in in that area. Uh, so uh, uh, now that area will get uh, fast connect connection to the Helsinki airport, but also to the Tallinn airport. So you have kind of like then two airports in your like uh, neighborhood because uh, end to end is uh, the you know going through the tunnel it will take 20 minutes. So you'll have like less than 20 minute connection to. Helsinki Airport, Tallinn Airport, from this Otaniemi Keilani, which is uh, the most significant uh, kind of like business uh, center or a concentration of business and talent in Finland. So that is already happening. There's a lot of construction, a lot of people moving there. And uh, then we have the airport station that's already you know growing uh, again, uh, you know, recovering from the pandemic and like all of that. And then we have in Tallinn, it's also like the uh, Ulemiste area, which is also home of, uh, you know, the Tallinn airport. But maybe even more importantly, that's where the rail Baltic uh, railroads are basically going from uh, then Tallinn to Pärnu to Riga to Kaunas, Vilnius and uh, Warsaw and then like beyond. Uh, so uh, uh, and that station area is also uh, attracting a lot of people, a lot of companies. Uh, so uh, that is happening. So the the main kind of like the new uh, land and new area 
is the island station that is uh, completely new. It's uh, going to be uh, roughly five square kilometers of new land. And that, that's going to be home uh, to 50,000 uh, new people uh, that will then live, work, study, uh, you know, have fun on the island. Uh, so, uh, and again, that island, same thing, uh, fast connection to two airports, fast connection to the uh, rest of Europe. Uh, so uh, that one uh, is, is uh, not basically being built yet, but uh, we're uh, putting more and more detail into the island, like design and the plan. And in fact, we just published uh, a few teasers uh, you know, some images of the latest designs that we have for the island. Uh, so uh, uh, so three out of four stations uh, being built, uh, growing and attracting more people. So uh, that is uh, like the very good news here. And then, of course, we expect uh, the island to have uh, massive demand once we uh, get to, uh, you know, building, building the buildings uh, on that one. So, uh, yeah, overall looking very, very good. I love it. So. Taking this island, which I find phenomenal to understand how you guys put this together. And I think from our last chat, that was one thing that maybe I, I missed or we didn't get to chat about was the fact that you're taking, this is very circular economy. You're taking the debris that's created from the tunneling and you're using that to create the island, which I think is so incredibly awesome. So from that, you build out this five square kilometer island. You've built a lot of startup ideas around this, and I know that you're pushing a lot of new innovation that can come in and help support this build throughout uh, the next uh, five to 10 years. Has there been any new companies that you've seen that have been created because of what you guys have been working on that you really stand out and, and you're excited for because of this project? You've seen, you know, these three new companies pop up that are really innovative and the rest of the world is going to start to use them because of the size of this project you're working on? Uh, yes, uh, there's, um, uh, well, I, I can't say there's one single company that's kind of specifically come out of the project itself, but uh, uh, we have uh, helped quite a few companies already to kind of uh, expand their business or, or, or kind of uh, build on it. And uh, there's a number of companies that we actually have invested in uh, that we see will help us to build a, a better tunnel, faster, safer, uh, more cost efficient, and so on. So may maybe to give a couple of examples. So uh, one of our favorites is, is a company called Kadio, C-A-I-D-I-O. Uh, it's a company that's um, making um, uh, this uh, solution that will help to turn concrete uh, greener or manufacture green concrete. So they basically um, have a device uh, that's uh, monitoring the uh, concrete production line and uh, it's optimizing the water, sand and uh, cement uh, ratios. So uh, there will be less waste and uh, the uh, ratio will be optimal at all times. And uh, it's, uh, it's a fantastic example of uh, how we can uh, uh, kind of, uh, something that is used quite a lot and it's one of the biggest single uh, uh, polluters in the world. Uh, CO2 uh, numbers are huge. Uh, so uh, we're kind of tackling that problem and, and we know that we will be using a lot of concrete uh, in the tunnel as well. So uh, we kind of took the bull by its horns and uh, uh, started to do something about it. 
Another example, a little bit different one, is is uh, that um, we kind of realized that we need some testing ground, uh, some uh, place where we can do training and education for uh, all the people working on the tunnel project. So we uh, we found an old mine up in the northern part of Finland, and uh, uh, kind of around that we started to build this. Uh, uh, it's a cooperative uh, that uh, basically brings together companies. Uh, and, and that sort of evolved a little bit uh, uh, forward. So now it's called the Smart City Innovation Cluster. And uh, uh, we got some um, uh, Finnish government funding from uh, Business Finland. And um, uh, we have uh, more than 100, I think it was 121 members in, in the cooperative now. Uh, and uh, we've uh, signed up some agreements uh, globally. So uh, supporting Madrid, uh, Nuevo Norte, uh, project in, in Spain, and uh, we're kind of working on the uh, new Indonesian capital, Nusantara, uh, also with this cooperative. So it's a great example of how uh, the tunnel project is uh, sort of creating uh, a new platform for innovation, and, and uh, it's kind of driving a lot of these things uh, to go forward. That's Peter, awesome. maybe there's something something you want to add uh, on the companies and innovation side. No, I think that those are, are great examples, and, and uh, we expect uh, a lot more. And uh, there's already uh, a lot of uh, companies that are benefiting from a lot of what we are doing here. So I think, uh, yeah, we can expect to see a lot of uh, proven uh, success stories coming out of this. So it's, it is a massive project, and uh, what always happens, then there's like innovation associated with that. So, so yeah, more to come, I would say. Brilliant. Now. Overall costing of the project, I know you guys will probably keep iterating and changing. Um, originally, it was fifteen billion to borrow, and then it was a hundred and fifty million or billion, sorry, in overall commerce. Is that still the targets, or is that increased? Is it decreased? Have things changed? No, let's say that that's uh, kind of like uh, the, the numbers. Uh, we put in a lot of margin, a lot of buffer uh, in in that. Uh, and uh, yeah, the tunnel itself is is still at 15 billion. And uh, then, uh, of course, when you invest into infrastructure like we're doing here, uh, and we've seen that uh, you know around the world, that then uh, typically generates uh, for every euro that you invest in the infrastructure. So in the tunnel, in this case, on top of the tunnel, you know the station areas, all of that, you get uh, 10x minimum. So that is the 150 billion in uh, added kind of like investment and and. Uh, yeah, we are uh, very confident uh, that that will happen, looking at like what is already happening in the station areas and what will happen at uh, the island and all of that. So, so yeah, uh, it's it's uh, same numbers that we had since the beginning, but of course, we have had time now to put in a lot, a lot more detail. So uh, we have, uh, yeah, it's a massive spreadsheet, let's put it that way. I can imagine. Well, it's still incredible, and I can't wait when you guys come out with all the metrics on like how much concrete you're using, uh, how much cable you had to lay, all these metrics and, and details that come out. I think that's going to be so fascinating to see and, and look at because of you know uh, it's a hundred kilometers, but it's still incredible to know what came in and what was part of all of this. And when you get into that city and building that up, I think that's also incredible. Fifty thousand people living on a um, man-made island, which is also um, pretty sick. So you're looking at one to two years to kick off this project and start borrowing. Um, financing has been locked in. Everything's moving along. Has there been any red flags or anything that 
threw you guys for a loop at this point that you found fascinating because every every entrepreneur loves challenges and, and loves to solve problems. Has there been anything that just kind of threw you guys off and were shaking your head out because of disbelief of, I can't believe I'm going through this? Uh, I, I think that's like, uh, again, uh, more, more about uh, dealing with the various uh, uh, processes with uh, kind of like national governments uh, and regional and local. So there's a lot of uh, that on both sides. Uh, so I think that it's uh, what we expected. And we've done a lot of work in uh, areas that are, are then uh, uh, dependent on like good collaboration with, uh, with the government. So, so I think that uh, uh, it's always uh, a pain, uh, you know, and, and it's, uh, but you just have to kind of like, uh, uh, deal with it and sometimes uh, it can be very frustrating i mean we would love to be already at a uh, stage where we are actually boring actually building uh, but we're not so uh, that uh, again uh, is is not uh, very good uh, but uh, it is what it is and uh, we know that we'll get get the tunnel done we'll get all of this done uh, it's it's uh, just a question of time but uh, yeah it can be very frustrating of course, when uh, you can't make things happen at the pace that you're kind of like used to and want to do. So uh, I, I would say that that is kind of like the biggest um, kind of like if red flag, if you will. I, I wouldn't maybe call it a red flag, but it's it's just uh, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Fair. So I have two questions before we're going to switch into the rapid fire or sorry, into the um, uh, 60 second rant. When the burrowing is occurring, if you hit uh, oil or you hit any other concern of, of either good or bad value, what is the recourse? What occurs? And has that been obviously talked about? Uh, I know you said you're going through granite, but at any point in time, you can come across a gold pocket or oil or something or gas. You might hit something of who knows when you're down there. And then secondarily, who owns that land that you're burrowing through? And who would benefit from that on the outskirt of you hitting something if it slows down the project? Okay, so I have good news and I have bad news here. So uh, uh, <clears throat> bad news is that we won't find any gold or oil. Uh, but uh, the good news is that uh, we know the geology really, really well. So uh, it, it's been kind of uh, uh, researched and investigated and, and our, our geologists know what, what's out there. Uh, of course, we need to do some uh, sort of uh, pinpointed uh, uh, studies and, 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 and research ourselves, but uh, we pretty much know what to expect, and, and uh, it's going to be quite uh, uh, quite a smooth ride, I would say. Your question about the land, uh, there's, uh, uh, of course, on, on the Finnish borders, uh, it's, it's the Finland government that owns uh, most of the land. Uh, we are going to be boring through uh, Helsinki City, Espoo City, Vanta City, so the cities uh, in the area own some bits and pieces. Uh, same thing on the Estonian side. And then there's about 30, 35 kilometers of international borders that we are boring through. And uh, that's um, anybody can bore tunnels in the, in the international zone as, as long as you kind of meet the uh, international regulation. So. That's uh, 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 quite uh, straightforward also from that perspective. Awesome. Well, that sounds very easy, not complicated. So you guys will be able to continue working through and you won't have any slowdowns. So I love that. Um, all right. Well, we're going to shift now into our 60-second rant. 
and then uh, then we'll probably clean things up and uh, we'll we'll probably uh, leave it at that. But um, it's been a it's been a great relearning and getting an update on on the project. So we have a segment where we do called the sixty second rant where. I give you 60 seconds in this case because there's two of you, and I'm sure you can coordinate the rant. Um, but the rant is meant to uh, drive some hard feelings about something that uh, you're for or against, whatever that might be. Uh, I'll time it, and then within when you have five seconds left, I'll show you my five seconds, um, and we'll go from there. And I, I will try to uh, banter back depending on what the what the rant is, but. Um, I don't know if Costa, you wanna you wanna jump into the rant first and uh, and have Peter layer into this, but I'll let you guys uh, to take that on. And if you're ready to go, then we'll hit start. We'll see how this works out. Uh, yeah, let, let's give it a try. I, I don't know what to rant about, but uh, something about the tunnel. So. All right, let's do it. All right, you ready? You're on. Go. All right. So uh, as as we talked about the tunnel. Um, we're very, very passionate about building that and, and uh, making it happen. Uh, it's super frustrating, as, as uh, we discussed already, that uh, uh, we we meet a lot of bureaucracy, we meet a lot of politics, and, and uh, trying to get people to understand why do things uh, in a certain way, why why to build the tunnel, what uh, what's kind of uh, the purpose of that, uh, how to make it happen uh, in the best possible way, and what is the impact of that uh, on on kind of micro level, but uh, uh, on, on the macro level, so um, the societal level, and also for the whole whole region, and, and for that matter also for Europe, uh, kind of how we make one small uh, or relatively small piece of infrastructure that can uh, uh, impact the GDPs of, of a couple of countries and uh, the whole, whole Europe, uh, and, and uh, that's... Uh, been very very frustrating to see that uh, why why people don't really get it. So that's kind of my rant on on uh, on, on this uh, sixty second challenge. All right. Well, we'll we'll actually leave it there, and I'll rebuttal, and then Peter, you can jump in. So people predominantly dislike change, and I think that they fight back against innovation and change because they're worried. It's something else of controlling factors are going to take over the world, or it's giving access to another country, or it's someone else is making too much money. Whatever the reasons are, people just dislike change. So if they dislike change, how do you guys, when you want to push this through, how do you actually do something in micro steps, which in the background you're doing big steps, so that people don't always have to see what's going on in the forefront, but they believe in you and start to build the trust that you guys are building something that's really great and it's going to be phenomenal. What is it and how do you do that? Because at the end of the day, I'm all for this innovation. I think it's incredible what you're doing. But at the same time, because people don't like change, you're going to hit more walls than you can imagine. Because of that, how do you overcome it? Yeah, I think it's very simple. Actions speak louder than words. So uh, we're just getting it done. As simple as that. I love it. Why not? Why make it any more complicated than that? We're just going to keep hustling through this. And if it takes us 10 years to do it, that's all we're going to do. And when we're done, then everybody else can be appreciative and accepting it to the fact that you guys have uh, accomplished something that no one else has really done in a long time. And you made some money doing it and that everybody else has been able to uh, bolster their economies from uh, both sides of the water. So uh, I think that's incredible. I, I can't see anything uh, wrong with that. But like I said, things take time to change and the hustle is what's going to make it happen. Yeah. So maybe Very good. maybe what 
what we'll do then is um, we usually have uh, rapid fire questions, but because of the fact that there's two of us and they're going to be a little bit different. So why don't we, why don't we do this? Why don't we leave this as kind of our interlude into the next episode when we get to interview you guys again in another year? And I think if we can keep going this on for the next 10 years, then we'll be able to be there for the live kickoff and the ribbon cutting in 10 years. And hopefully we'll have uh, learned a significant amount about this whole project. And next time we'll dive in deeper and maybe we'll even throw up some diagrams and be able to show more of the architecture and the design and, and dive into more of those metrics that we talked about. Uh, but I think this has been a phenomenal update. And, and again, I'm, I'm uh, the fanboy on the other side of the world, excited for what you guys are doing. And I can't wait to uh, fly down and check this out um, as you guys start uh, progressing forward. Uh, but if there's any other things, to, any last words you guys want to share, um, I, I just want to thank you guys for joining us again and giving us the update. But uh, like we do, we like to turn it over to you. So anything you want to share to the investor community or to startups, um, I turn it over to you. But again, thank you for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Jeffrey, uh, for the kind words. And, and it's always uh, fantastic to have fans. Uh, so we, we'll book you on the uh, maiden voyage of the... Uh... <laughs> yes. I love trains, man. This is exciting. This is very exciting. Yeah, very good. And yeah, we'll uh, uh, look forward to seeing you and uh, many others uh, there. So, uh, And of course, you're welcome to visit us here in the Finest Bay area like uh, anytime. So uh, it's always, uh, you know, Pleasure to uh, see more people here, and there's a lot of exciting things going on. So uh, no reason not to come here, you know, like any day. I love it. Well, if I don't make it down to uh, to your next event, then I certainly will in the next year make my way there. But very excited to do that. Um, so again, thank you very much, gentlemen. It was a pleasure uh, regrouping with you guys, and I wish you both uh, all the success on your up on the upcoming borrowing and uh, governance and compliance. But thank you very much again for your time. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, so just to do a kind of a recap, but this is a fantastic project. Um, just over a hundred kilometers long uh, in borrowing, sixteen borrowers operating and uh, going eight in two directions or in multiple directions 103 kilometers exact four stations man-made island which is so cool that they're taking the debris and using that to create the island and they're going to have 50,000 people living on this island and make it all around startups which is really 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 cool so there's a, a lot of good things that they're doing with this project and the fact that it's going to be anywhere from 150 to 250 billion in extra added commerce that's going to be running between the two uh, countries. I think that's also pretty exciting uh, for anybody that's looking at the metrics. There'll be some cool stuff that'll come out, I'm sure, over time. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's really fascinating on what they're doing and how they're doing it. And we'll continue to do regular updates um, on this uh, project as they continue to build through as they're in year six. Um, and hopefully, as they mentioned, by the end of this set, uh, this decade, they'll be able to have uh, this project up and running. So thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the conversation, please feel free to share with your friends, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and or please follow us on Spotify, Google, or Apple. Feel free to share an audio clip around our show. We may include it in one of our future podcasts. You can find us on all social platforms, including LinkedIn, Supporters Fund, and your support and comments are truly appreciated. Please visit us at Supporters Fund or Startup Events at openpeoplenetwork.com. Thank you and have a fantastic day.